welcome to the Shungite Show. It is uh, August 11th, 2020. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With, with us today, we have um, Derek Condit and Mark Joseph, but we also have just an, a phenomenal guest, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. And Dr. Daniels and I did a special recording when I, I just let her talk, and I, she blew my mind. I mean, I knew the, what she was telling me, sort of, but the details and the passion and the understanding of the medical profession uh, just blew me out of the water. Um, that is up on YouTube, and I will have a, a link for you in a little bit here. It'll be under YouTube on, on this one, too. Um, at that point, on that show, you go back and you listen, and, and, and it'll tell you what's wrong. What I want to do here is let Jennifer Daniels tell you what can be done right. And with Mark listens to her podcasts all the time. He's going to have questions for you, Doctor. And, okay. And, and we'll introduce them in a second. And Derek has been putting together, uh, we have a, the Shungite store up in Washington uh, State, and he's been putting together what I'm going to let him talk about, but um, herbs and healing, healing the, 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 the things you need to be able to really take control of your own health. Um, so I'm sure he's going to have a lot of convers a lot of questions for you. Um, so I'm going to um, let Derek uh, introduce himself, just so that you know who he is and you get his voice, <laughs> and then you introduce Mark so that she'll know what who Mark sounds like because this. Hi, Dr. Daniel. So yeah, my name is Derek Condit. Okay. I actually work with organic beehives and use shungite in various ways. Um, be it in nugget form or in the powder and mix it in the paint and paint the beehives with it um, and having lots of effects from there. But that's that's who I am. And then I uh, own Mystical Wares store up in Mount Vernon, Washington as well. Oh, okay. And then Mark, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself so she gets you? Oh, yeah, hi, Dr. Daniels. I found you through um, Nancy's interview. Amazing two-hour talk. Um, Shared it with a bunch of people, uh, bought your book, hope to buy another one and to give to friends. But, um, yeah, I love your podcast on Vimeo. And, um, yeah, looking forward to hear um, and to have you on. Wonderful. Great. It's great to meet both of you. All right. What can be done right? So much can be done right. And I think that the real problem in the United States right now is people are focused on what's wrong and they're focused on the inevitability of it and they're just in this downward negative funk. Uh, but turning it around in any one individual person's life is so, so doable. And turning it around as a country, uh, I really don't know. But here's the point. Where we go one, we do not go all. If that was true, the whole United States would be living outside of the United States, right? Because I left the country, right? So there you go. So we know that individually, each person has a tremendous amount of power to turn their life around, to fix whatever is not uh, working for them. And you don't need the person sitting next to you to agree with you or make the same decision. So that's that's the crux of the the problem in the United States is people have been brainwashed into believing 
that they can't make a change unless their neighbor makes the same change, that they can't um, be healthy unless their neighbor does certain things. And that is not true. Your health is totally 100% a function of your choices. And so what you can do is you can exercise that freedom, make your choices for your health, but at the same time realize your neighbor may have a different hierarchy of values and let them make their decisions for their choice. So which, uh, th- uh, what do you want me to talk about that can be done right? Are we uh, talking about just health? Or what are we? Well, um, really what, what you know works. Ah, okay. So what I know works for health, and this is so super, 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 super easy. Uh, one, hydration. This is the cornerstone. Without hydration, nothing, nothing else matters. It just doesn't matter. So you've got to hydrate yourself. Uh, my observation over the decades, I've been at this since, Jesus Christ, 1975, I guess. So my observation since 1975 is the best water for staying healthy, getting healthy, is distilled water. Now, in these times, it's even more important uh, that you use distilled water. Why? <laughs> you definitely cannot trust tap water. It is not a, uh, a health strategy, okay? Uh, as a simple example, when I was a little kid in Buffalo, New York, the government would come out on the radio blaring, boil water advisory, boil your water, boil your water. I'm like, wait a minute. If they're telling me to boil my water now, shouldn't I have been boiling it yesterday? When did these microbes first get in the water? And what about when they stop the advisory? Are the microbes gone? So the fact that the government even issues boil water advisories lets you know that their method of cleaning your water is not effective. Uh, so as a personal strategy for your personal security, uh, distilled water. And people say, oh, Dr. Daniels, what about boiled, what about bottled water? <laughs> okay, so bottled water in the United States is heavily, heavily regulated. Your government can sell the bottler, put this in the water. And he's got to put it in the water, whatever it is, whether it's healthy or not. And he doesn't need to put it on the label. So as far as your health security goes, buy your own distiller and distill your water. Um, so that's number one. Number okay. two. Okay, can I interrupt you? All right. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I, we had, um, we work with Shungite. And the reason that Shungite became very, very popular was that if you put it in water, it purifies water. And I'm talking like three nuggets. This goes back to Peter the Great in Russia. Uh, he heard that the waters in and around this little village called Shunga, which is why it's called Shungite, that it they were healing waters. And he sent his two physicians there, two of his physicians, to see, you know, is this true? Is all these healing things true about it? And they said, yes, in fact, it was. So he built a big estate there, and his family would go there all the time. He built another part for his military to come wounded soldiers because they would heal faster but they also discovered that if you took nuggets and you put them in the canteens of the soldiers whatever water they got would be purified because of the shungite and that's how shungite became very very popular was its water purification right now it's used in lieu of 
uh, uh, charcoal in uh, a lot of the well in Russia almost all of the uh, you know under the sink things are based on shungite now one of the things that they found was that these devices like Brita like a Brita device you know type of thing that when you, you know how bad Brita gets to smelling that you don't want to drink whatever's in there because it smells so bad because it absorbs the contaminants out of the water not all of them but that's how it gets to stink and so you do have to change charcoal so the two different manufacturing companies of these devices were trying to find out how long before they had to change out the shungite and what they discovered is that they didn't have to change out the shungite because there was no absorption there was no toxicity in the shungite now from their standpoint bummer i can't sell more shungite to to replace what's there you know so i make more money but the fact of the matter is is that proves the science that we had discovered in working with shungite that shungite has such an intense energy field that is rotating in a biocompatible way that toxins which at the molecular level are rotating in the opposite direction so when it when you've got a toxin it's it's opposite what you want to be having as far as a healthy environment the biocompatibility i'm not i mean i, I don't want to get into the electromagnetic on this that's why i'm stumbling here but what happens is that this field when a when a toxin gets in in the field energy we're just talking energy here when the when the toxin gets inside the energy field of shungite it wants to rotate because it's like two two tops coming together and the two tops when they come together it's the stronger top that's going to stop the, the the weaker spinner you know that's going in the other way and shungite's always more powerful so these toxins come in the molecules like heavy metal okay the heavy metal be taken out with shungite in, in water so the heavy metal okay it's going the wrong direction it hits the field boom it tries to at the molecular level reverse its spin and what happens is it can't and it falls apart into to just the basic atoms so there's no no absorption it's actually transmutation it also creates uh, like water when you take water and you have water going through a shungite field by just putting nuggets on a water pipe when it goes through there it becomes uh, structured they call it structured I don't know why but it actually begins to turn alive again begins to get a spin at the molecular level what we discovered in doing tests with blood to see the dehydration of the blood we found that if because it, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong but it takes a long time before water actually hydrates a human being or an animal but hydrates it takes time it's not like I'm drinking the water and five minutes later I'm hydrated and so but what we discovered was that because the water as you're drinking it is alive because of the shungite it actually hydrates you within minutes Okay, we could see it in the blood because the person who was an RN who was doing this analysis of blood, she, that's what she did professionally, um, she could see it. So we can't, we haven't got all of the scientific background to prove all of this, but we have in fact seen the response of when you drink shungite water, you will feel 
uh, more hydrated for lack of anything else. So I just, because this is a Shungite show, um, I wanted to point that out to you. Your turn. <laughs> so the big deal here is you must take responsibility for your water. You must do that. Uh, there is no um, automatic uh, clean water from the tap or from a bottle available in the United States. It just isn't. So if your health plan does not include you taking custody of your water and every piece of water that goes in your body or that you cook with, then your plan is not complete and destined for failure. So that's the, 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 the water piece. Now, the what the water does also is it forms literally the transport system for your body. So the next thing you want to do is you want to build your body up, and that's nutrition. This is uh, open to a lot of discussion, but I'll just give you my view on this. So any diet out there, whether it's um, vegetarian, vegan, uh, paleo, um, doesn't matter. No diet is good for all people for the full length of their life. And so what you need to do is give your body what it needs at whatever stage of life that you're in. Now, one area in the United States which is seriously, seriously deficient is organ meats. Uh, most people don't eat anywhere near enough organ meats. Um, so I would say no matter what diet you're on, it's a good idea to throw in some beef or chicken liver maybe once a month or something. But the point is, if you don't have nutrition, you can't build and repair your body. Um, the next thing you need to do is you need to remove stuff you don't need. We'll call it crap. In other words, you need bowel movements. At least, I would say, my personal opinion, three times a day. A lot of people poop once a day and they're so they're really happy with it. That's nice. But the truth of the matter is, pooping once a day will not cure anything. So if you have a condition, I recommend three poops a day. The so what are you pooping out? There's a good question. Well, you're pooping out parasites. And parasites are basically living organisms that come in usually with your food or with your water. Uh, then there's toxins. Toxins um two sources, external, which would be like air pollution, for example, um, your the chemicals in your personal care products, the chemicals in your home materials, and then internal, as a consequence of creating energy, say, from your food, your body creates metabolic byproducts, and these are basically poisons, and they need to be removed. So you've got to remove the parasites and remove the toxins in a timely manner, um, by pooping. Now, you can also, again, up your game by reducing the amount you put in. So if you put in fewer parasites, you put in fewer toxins, then that's less of a strain for your lungs, your skin, your kidneys, um, your colon, your liver, and your organs of detoxification. So that is pretty straightforward. And notice there's a lot of things not on that list. <laughs> so it's really very, very simple. It's Drink enough water that's clean enough. Eliminate the parasites you do have. Stop putting in parasites. Eliminate the toxins you do have. Stop putting in toxins. And then poop to 
get out whatever your body does not need. And then, of course, you have the nutrition, which is your diet, where you're going to give your body the building blocks it needs to make repairs. And that is a basic program. Now, you can add stuff to it. You can put the Shugnite in the water, get the water better. Great. Good job. Nutrition. You can take supplements to increase your nutrition. But um, after 30 years of this, I can reluctantly say um, nutrition is king. The supplements truly are just that, supplements. So a lot of people are saying, well, I'm going to eliminate whatever from my diet, and I'm going to replace it with supplements. It does not work. Uh, for example, I discovered that it was really, really important to eat liver. It's really important. So I say to certain people, oh, you should eat liver. I was like, oh, you know what, Dr. Daniels, I'm going to get a capsule of desiccated dried liver, and I'm going to take that. All right, fine. So they take that. Not only do they get side effects, but they get literally one-tenth the benefit of the next person who actually eats the real liver. And seeing this contrast again and again and again with different um, organ parts that people refuse to eat, I'm like, oh, wow. If you can get the food, that is the best um, thing to do. Now, again, in working with people and advising them what to eat and finding out that in the United States, certain animal parts with unique nutritional healing properties have actually been banned and restricted, I'm like, aha. <laughs> so those of you conspiracy theorists out there, uh, this type of elimination, wholesale elimination from the diet, creates sickness, creates weakness, creates fearful, dependent people. The latest ban, which is expanding, is the ban on eating any animal skin. And so those who ban it say, oh, you know, it's a hygiene thing. Hygiene, how can that be when you're putting it in a pressure cooker for two hours? That kill anything, right? So what's really going on is people are getting severe uh, deficiencies of their connective tissue they're getting weak, they're getting debilitated, they're falling apart, they're begging the government for health care, begging the government for more health insurance, begging the government to tax them and to uh, help them. Of course, the government's like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, thank you. Glad you asked. So um, nutrition is really, uh, it, it is, there's nothing like it. And once you provide your body with something it's missing or it needs, literally healing takes place in hours. It's just that dramatic. So uh, you, you can't beat nutrition. And then parasites, um, if you're eating them every day and just stuffing them in, it's tough for your body to keep up with the removal process. So you do have to give your body you know, some help there. And then toxins. Um, it shocks me how people liberally smear toxins and poisons all over their, their uh, skin and their armpits, every kind of place and even in their food, and then say, well, isn't there a supplement or a pill I can take that'll undo, you know, can I take this one milligram or half a gram tablet to undo 10 pounds of poisons I put in? Well, the answer clearly is no. And then, of course, there's poop. Um, the American public has been erroneously informed, and myself in medical school, I was told, if someone poops once a week, that is just fine. If someone tells you that they're not pooping every day and they complain to you, you tell them just to get over it. You tell them not to be so fixated in their poop and go get a life. This is what we were told in medical school. That was the training. Um, and then for me to discover through my own 
uh, powers of observation with my medical practice that that's not true at all. In fact, once a day is not enough. So pooping is very, very important. And many people, especially in, we'll call it developed countries, uh, they don't have bathroom access. They, they work an eight-hour shift. Maybe they have an hour and a half, two-hour commute. They don't have free access to bathroom facilities. And so they willfully constipate themselves. They will willfully dehydrate themselves just so they can be more efficient, they can get to work, and they don't have to interrupt their work. And they don't realize that they are poisoning and killing themselves uh, for the sake of getting to work, which of course is useless once you have your stroke or heart attack, which is caused by dehydration. So that's what I know works, and it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there are variations on each one of those uh, five things. And, you know, in terms of any one particular person's lifestyle, fitting it in, and sometimes we'll need a little bit of help with, uh, you know, a supplement here or there. But that's the basic uh, program, and it works super well. And you notice you don't really need health insurance for it. In fact, not at all. I'm just sitting here jotting down notes about 100 miles an hour. I think it's fantastic, <laughs> everything she's saying. As far as, let me mute this. Um, uh, regarding all of it, so the toxins on our skin, stopping that, you know, how you're not taking a pill, I was sitting here kind of, luckily I was muted, I was laughing in the background, because that's exactly what I talk about as well, I mean, the whole, your skin is one of the largest organs, or is the largest organ on your body, and in, as you know, 26 seconds, whatever you put on your skin can appear in your blood, and no yeah. pill is going to stop that or reverse that, so no, I'm just... Uh, really fascinated by everything she's saying. And uh, so, no, Mark, do you have any questions right now? Yeah, um, for me, just to give a context uh, for the people in the chat room. So um, Nancy interviewed Dr. Daniels back in April 20th. Uh, so people can find that on YouTube if you just type in Jennifer Daniels Cosmic Reality. And then you'll find it as um, Interview with a Healer. And that's what woke me up to her work and her background, amazing. Um, her book and then her website and podcast. Um, I guess, um, Dr. Daniels, where can we find you online, your various websites? And then uh, I was curious about the book you had. I did have a copy I bought from Amazon um, and wondering, uh, I think that's available in ebook. If you could give us details on that. Um, so I can be found at vitalitycapsules.com vitalitycapsules.com. So vitality capsules are a capsule of herbs that I put together to help people poop. So I was practicing medicine in the 90s and I was telling my patients, well, now you got to poop. And one guy said, uh-uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you make a pill, you give it to me, it makes me poop, I'll take it. But other than that, forget it. And so a couple of my patients said that to me and so I said, okay, fine, I'm going to do this. And I did. And uh, the patients nicknamed them poop pills, and ultimately they were called vitality capsules because people felt like their vitality was so increased after taking them. Um, and the book is right now available only on Amazon. Um, it might be on CreateSpace, which is also an Amazon company, which would be a physical copy. But we're uh, working with a lot of different tech issues now, especially with now no longer being allowed to upload to YouTube. Those privileges have been suspended, so we can't communicate there. Uh, Facebook has been uh, taking down videos and censoring, even censoring my communications, saying that a message I sent had um, 
content that did not fit their censorship policies. So I'm in the process of developing more avenues of communication. That's, that doesn't surprise me as far as them doing that. It seems like they're doing that to lots of people. And, and your information is right on the point. So, you know, of course, they're not going to like it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I did have some questions. I had to get, kind of scoop by faster really quickly because I had some, unfortunately, garbage trucks driving by. So I kind of um, went past. But um, if you don't mind, yeah, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions because I am at our um, so I'm on a storefront up in, as I mentioned, Mount Vernon, Washington. And we're just now looking at expanding various departments. One, I'm calling a holistic medicine cabinet. And right. that's, yeah, we're bringing in all sorts of um, different, uh, I'm just gonna call it ingredients and natural substances for people to heal themselves with, be it various powders, mushrooms, um, different salts, things like that. So um, I just wanted to get your input on some of that stuff on what you think maybe some, you know, key ingredients for people to use to help themselves. So what we're doing is kind of similar to what you're doing. We're, so we're looking to make these pre-made maybe packs or even tea bags for not just humans, but for animals as well. Think dogs and cats for digestive issues, things like that. So one example would be the diatomaceous earth, um, different, and then different zeolite clays and things like that. So um, is there a, a maybe all around recommended um, I'm not sure how to really put it, but maybe a tea or a drink that you recommend to some of your um, clientele? Turpentine. Turpentine. Okay. Yep, turpentine. So when I travel, I take three things with me. Um, I take turpentine, I take castor oil, and I take vitality capsules. And with those three, I can pretty much handle whatever might show up in my travels. And it is just amazing. So the uh, turpentine literally gets the parasites to decide it's time for them to leave your body. And they totally cooperate with your immune system. So let's say your immune system is not doing well because you're just feeling sick. Um, and let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, your immune system is a 3. When you add turpentine to that situation, you will get the results as if your immune system was a 10, because the parasites literally cooperate with you. You're no longer fighting them. It's no longer a fight between your immune system trying to get rid of them. They don't want to go. No, they're like, uh, excuse me, we're in the wrong place. We're out of here. Which way is it, please? Oh, over that, good. And then the vitality capsules basically open up the um, intestines, liver, and circulation to help the parasites take the easiest, most comfortable route is to the toilet, not to your brain where you get a headache or your skin where you get a rash or something like that. So I take the turpentine, I take the vitality capsules, and then there's castor oil. So castor oil, um, when I travel, I mostly use the castor oil uh, for my skin to make sure it doesn't get dry and to make sure it stays in good condition. But if, you, if I have a bad situation where I get in touch with a seriously awful parasite, I can just feel it in my body and it's got to come out. I'll mix a quarter cup of castor oil with a teaspoon of turpentine, stir it up, down the hatch, boom, and um, event handled, done, over. So that's what I take. That's interesting, yeah. And then um, what are your thoughts or do you have any input? Well, no, I also take a, air, a water filter. That's very important. So if you're um, 
going to be away from home, obviously you would take your own jug of, you know, Shug Night water or distilled water. But what if you're away from home long enough where that piece of water runs out? Maybe you drank your quart or your uh, half gallon. I use the um, Sawyer Mini water purifier. And that screws into the top of any standard soda pop bottle. And you squeeze the water through it and it's purified. Can you spell that? The, the Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R space Mini, M-I-N-I. And I have used that in India, in uh, Europe, um, every place. So I did go to China many, many years ago, and I did not bring my Vitality capsules. I did not bring my water filter. Oh, my God. It was it, it just was an unfortunate situation. I didn't bring my turpentine. It was just terrible. So now I always bring those things so that I cannot possibly have a trip that goes wrong yeah that, that sounds like you got the basis covered those do quite a few um things in each one that i'm familiar with as well so hey right that's um oh i also wanted to ask you too on if you're familiar with or have any input on um what's commonly called or you know or, or at least an organic version of it msm and if you have any input on that yeah so msm uh is an anti-parasite uh, compound. And I personally prefer uh, turpentine. It's more versatile. It's far-reaching. Um, and it's much more convenient. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if they were... Because I know they have similar um, effects. But I just wouldn't yeah, so I, wouldn't, I would not use them together. I'd pick one or the other. So I, I would invite people to, you know, if you're using MSM... Um, give turpentine a try. See what you think. Yeah, okay. Uh, Nancy, did you want to ask anything while we're chatting about various... Well, I, I would like to um, have her go over the protocol of turpentine. You know, w when you say that, I mean, people, we don't want them going out there drinking <laughs> a glass full right. of turpentine. You know what I'm oh, saying? No, 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 yeah, right. So what you need to do is you need to go to vitalitycapsules.com. The report is free. It's called the Candida Cleaner. It is 31 pages. I go into great detail about what could go wrong and why you should not do it and what has gone wrong in the past so you don't do that. And I tell you exactly how to um, prepare your body and create a situation where you have a nice, smooth, positive experience. There's no reason not to get it because it is free. Now, when it was first launched on the Internet, I worked with a master marketer. He was amazing. And he... Um, sold this little PDF for I think the top price was $900 and at that price people were absolutely thrilled to have it they, they were just absolutely thrilled and so the internet being what the internet is uh, people were so excited they started posting in every place like everyone's got to know about this and giving it away for free so now it's free on my website <laughs> oh nice yeah we'll have to get a link to that Nancy and share it yeah, but that's important. So even if I just, you know, run you through whatever here, I tell people read the full 31 pages, read it twice, think about it, and if it's something you want to try, then follow the directions. I was on another um, talk show, and somebody called in, and uh, they had, you know, some negative things to say about the situation. And that same person called back in a month later and said, you know what? I heard about turpentine. I went out and tried it. 
It was atrocious. I got the report. I read it. I followed the instructions and everything went smoothly and I feel wonderful. So it makes a world of difference. And a lot of people were like, oh, I don't want to pay money for the report. You don't have to. It's free. But take the time to read it. Yeah, yeah, great point. Yeah, yeah, do your own research. Look into it. Read every bit of it. Exactly, exactly. So I tell people they absolutely should not take turpentine until they read the report. And then once they read the report and they understand it and they get it, it makes a huge difference. Because what people don't understand is um, 100 years ago, mothers started giving their kids turpentine pretty much from birth. And there were rituals that people had, they did every single week, uh, and even every day. Uh, people would give their kid a spoon of castor oil every day before they even would go out to play, or give them turpentine and castor oil every weekend, no matter what. Okay, so here you are, an adult, what are you, 30, 40 years old? You're a few decades behind the eight ball, right? So your body's not been introduced to this. So you've got to prepare your body to introduce this new material that it has not experienced before. And you're, so you're talking about the, um, so I've got it up here, I'm researching it right now, looking at the various forms of it. So turpentine is basically for, for everybody listening. So we're talking about the distilled form, what comes from the pine gum or pine wood um, resins. Is that what the form yes, you're talking about? Yes, let's be like really, really plain. We'll see language that the audience understands. There's sap that comes out of a pine tree, and that sap is distilled. And when it's distilled, you have uh, three fractions. You have the oil fraction, which is pure gum spirits with turpentine. That's what we're talking about. Then you have the solid fraction, which is the resin. And then you have the liquid fraction. Sure, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm sure just looking at the various forms. And it's been around for a long time, obviously, just like you were saying. So thousands of years, thousands yeah. of years. Yeah, known about. Interesting. Doctor, doctor, I know you've told the story before, but I just would like you to share. You, you're, you know, when you talked about how you came across turpentine because you were uh, very upset about the number of people that you had to send to hospitals. Right. Know, so that you can set up, because... It, my understanding is, is that turpentine was actually in the original uh, physician's guide to pharmaceuticals, yes. and it did everything, but Correct. it did everything, and so you have to get rid of some things that do everything. I mean, aspirin would undoubtedly not be approved by the FDA today. Correct. That's what we were told in medical school. Aspirin would not be approved by the FDA today. Thank God we have the FDA to protect us from things like aspirin. And so now aspirin's being recommended for take it every day just in case. <laughs> so how quickly uh, things change. But what happened was I, uh, I went to Harvard University undergrad, got a bachelor's degree. Then um, I went to medical school. While in medical school, I noticed that the stuff we were doing for people was notoriously, well, not very effective. And so we were told two things. One, um, all this stuff that we're being taught is scientifically proven statistically. And just because it doesn't work when we see it doesn't mean it's not working for other situations in other areas. So in other words, if something's 90% effective and we notice it is 0% effective, we're just looking at the 2% of the cases where it's not working. Okay, so that's what we're told in terms of don't believe your observation, believe the science. Um, 
The uh, next thing we are taught about things not working is next semester you're going to learn even more, you're going to learn even more, and things will get better. And so that did not happen. Um, in other words, every at the end of every semester, I went straight to the dean's office and I said, "Look, this is not, it's not working out. You know, everything you're teaching me just doesn't work." Um, and he would tell me, "Don't worry, next semester we'll teach you." The good stuff and then at the end of that semester i go back to him and say hey you know i i i've been going to class every day here and uh i i can see stuff is still not working and i'm going back to the inner city ghetto to try and help uplift my neighborhood and if i come there with this stuff like this that don't work they you know they it's not going to go well they don't believe in no malpractice they believe in getting even out you guys got to do better than this and so every semester we'd have this conversation finally graduation came and he said, uh, I, I can't tell him. And I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, oh, you know, that's why they have a residency program for after medical school. All right. So I went on to residency. Oh, my God. It was blood and guts everywhere. It was mayhem, just, just wholesale slaughter of the patients. And that's, uh, that was the basis for writing the book, Murder by Medicine is No Accident. And so... I, I, I was at that point feeling pretty discouraged, but I said to myself, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to kill people and I'm only going to do the stuff that I know is safe and effective. And then I went on to uh, work with the American Indians for a while and since I was in the middle of nowhere, uh, no one really cared what I did, thank God. So I started putting the um, type 2 diabetics on a diet that I, you know, I got uh, I put together myself through reading and stuff and bam, people's diabetes was gone in, in like a week that they followed directions and in two weeks that they were slow about it. And I said, wow, this is great. It's wonderful. And then, um, at that point I had a little health problem myself, became vegetarian, everything cleared up. And then I returned to civilization and finished residency purchased a city block, built my medical office building, and opened up for business. And I noticed that uh, people were dying. It wasn't a lot of people, like maybe eh, two, three people a year, three people, yeah, three people a year. And so in my second year, I said, you know what? I'm going to review every single person's chart who died and see how I can improve. And so, of course, whenever you're, you hear about people dying, you're always told, if only the doctor had had more training, if only the person had seen the doctor sooner, if only the person had been compliant with their medicines. And so I had all of those things in my mind. And so I looked through the charts of all the people who died and exclusively, 100% of them, they were on medications. They never missed a single appointment. They were diligent about taking their medicines. And I'd even sent them to the specialist to make sure they were on the best possible uh, protocol for their condition. Now, this was 100% of the people who died. And I'm like, whoa, you mean not one person who missed their appointments died? Not one person who failed to fill prescriptions died? Not one person who was non-compliant died? I'm like, whoa, could it be, could it be that the very thing I was trained to do in medical school is actually deadly? And for me, that was just, uh, you know, I was, I was, it was just a sinking feeling. Am I harming people by doing what I was trained to do? So then I said to myself, okay, fine. I'm going to just uh, 
give everyone a choice. Either the standard of care, which is what I was taught in medical school, or you can do nothing. Let them know. You don't have to do anything. Or um, some natural stuff uh, that they could do, like lifestyle changes or dietary changes or maybe some supplements. So everyone got that speech. And if I wrote them a prescription, they also got the speech. Now, if you get side effects, you stop the medicine and let me know the next day and we'll work it out, figure it out. So just by giving that instruction, the death rate in the medical practice went to zero and stayed zero the rest of the years I was in medical practice. So then I realized, whoa, mm, that stuff in medical school was pretty dangerous. Now, the only thing that happened was when I started out in medical practice, I was writing prescriptions for everyone that I saw. By the time I um, stopped practicing medicine, I was writing zero prescriptions, pretty much zero prescriptions a day. I would occasionally refill a medicine for some patient who was taking medicines from, you know, years back. But I did not require any medicines to treat anything. I had discovered supplements or lifestyle changes or herbs that would re that replaced literally every single medicine I was taught to prescribe in medical school. And but I had a limiting factor. Um I would tell people, okay, eat this way, poop that way, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as they did anything wrong, like maybe they would have a can of soda pop or maybe a piece of bread, bam, they would go back to the way they were as if they had made no changes at all. And I said, well, that's not right. They need to go back to where they were before they got sick, where they could eat an occasional this or that and not fall apart. And so then I started looking for something that could restore people literally to their pre-sickness condition. And um, at the time I was homeschooling my kids and I, um, I came across this thing that said that uh, there are many different schools of healing in the United States and there was the European School of Healing with certified doctors, that's the present day standard of care, and that that was the least effective healing modality. The next most effective was the American Indians. Um, oh, the next most effective was rural Americans. Next most effective was American Indians. But the most effective healing modality in the United States was the healing modalities used by the slaves. I'm like, what? The slaves? Well, the slaves really didn't have a lot of money. So whatever uh, was curing people had to be cheap and easy to find. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to find this. And so I bought every single natural healing book that came my way, and I read it, and I did not find anything that was um, that would cure everything and that was inexpensive. So a lot of these natural healing books are just thinly veiled uh, supplement marketing books. You know, they're just there to sell you more more pills. So I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I live in uh, my practice in a black neighborhood. These folks are all descended from slaves. I'm going to ask them. So every patient that came in that was African-American, I would ask them at the end of their visit, hey, uh, is there anything cheap that cured everything that maybe your mother or grandmother used? And then the turpentine kept coming up again and again and again. And then I uh, just said, okay. Well, I asked them, I said, well, uh, who used this? Oh, my grandmother. This guy is 45 years old. 
My grandmother used it. Oh, great. Uh, oh, I guess she's dead. Oh, no, 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 she's alive. Well, I guess she's in a nursing home by now. Oh, no, 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 she lives in her own house. Really? He said, yep, she cleans her own house, does her own cooking. I said, that's amazing. How old is she? I said, not, not about 92. I said, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. Think she'd talk to me? He said, well, you know, she pretty much sticks to herself now. I said, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't want to press him, you know. So I said, okay, fine. So I went on down to the hardware store and bought me a can of uh, turpentine. Then I went to the uh, grocery store and got some sugar cubes and just over the next several days, actually weeks, uh, figured it out. But that's how I came to the whole uh, turpentine situation. Uh, but since then, I discovered, you know, it's just always more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. There's so many more um, things that I've discovered. The latest discovery, discovery is bitters. And so now with my discovery of bitters, I've been able to discontinue even recommending a liver flush, which if you're familiar with liver flushes, they're very involved. They take several days. They involve, um, you know, it, it's risky. Um, you basically have to fast or, or near fast and the person can get dehydrated and all kinds of stuff can happen. So it's much simpler then to use bitters where you can give a small dose every day and it has the same effect even better actually than a liver flush. So um, it's just an on, ongoing um, journey for me of exploring, exploring, discovering more things, more things and more things. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about the bitters you're talking about? Yes. So um, part of my new perspective on life is that I live in a third world country. What that means is nothing is perfect and everything is a come-as-you-are party. In other words, people show up for life in whatever condition that they are in. So many of you have probably heard of something called Swedish bitters, and those were made famous by, you know, a health company or whatever way back when. But it turns out that uh, there are five flavors, you know, salty, sweet, sour, bitter, stringent. But the bitter flavor is the one that cleans the liver out and cleans the whole lymphatic system of the body. And so if you eat things that are bitter then you stimulate that cleansing um, to happen. So the bitters I discovered were um, orange bitters, then I tried Angostura bitters and Campari bitters. And so what these bitters do, though, is they take the body to a deeper level of cleansing, literally dissolving uh, lymphatic blockages, dissolving um, accumulations. But you can't start with bitters because you need to have a certain amount of, uh, let's just say, cleanliness going on before you start them. Otherwise, you can overwhelm the system. So the natural people call it a cleansing reaction, for example. But bitters also are an alcoholic's best friend. So if you like your gin, your whiskey, your rum, uh, and your vodka, let's say, then that is damaging to the liver. The bitter bitters rescue the liver and protect it. So you can enjoy, you know, your whatever's. But if you use bitters but you're not using those other things, then it really elevates your health. A lot of us have heard of these people who live to ninety something years old and they take a shot of whiskey every day or something like that. Well, a lot of those people also take bitters. 
and that the bitters are really the true uh, secret to the longevity. You never hear about anyone drinking a glass of wine a day living to be 90. I never heard it. So uh, that's where the bitters come in. So now I've reached the point where I can even, I've even figured out how people can make their own bitters. Because if you go out and you price bitters, bitters sell for about $5 an ounce. Pretty pricey. But you can make your own bitters for about 50 cents an ounce. So it's very, very exciting. And especially in times like this, where we are increasingly, more people are becoming aware that you cannot rely on the CDC or the FDA or um, packaged uh, pharmaceutical drugs to get yourself better. And this puts an incredible amount of power in the hands of private citizens who are concerned about their health and who can improve their health for, you know, a very affordable, you know, uh, price. And not only that, a very non-intrusive practice, which is, you know, maybe a quarter teaspoon twice a week. We're not talking about budget busters here or time-consuming rituals. So, you know, these are things that um, I think can bring the health of Americans forward to another level and create instantaneous, I want to call it wealth. Um, there are Americans now who are spending upwards of $20,000 a year on health insurance. And simple things like uh, turpentine, bitters, vitality capsules, MSM, Shugnite, these simple things, uh, which collectively wouldn't even run, I don't think, uh, a couple thousand a year can free people from the tyranny of the medical industrial complex, whether it's their insurance premiums or co-pays, um, the parking fees they have to pay at the doctors, the long waits to the doctors, the long waits in the emergency rooms, all of these things uh, they can eliminate from their life and they can reclaim tens of thousands of dollars a year as well as hundreds of hours of their time. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I love how you're empowering everybody to, you know, and also not just take control of their own health, but, you know, you're showing them how to do it and, and how cheap it can be. I mean, you know, not yeah. cost. Exactly. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, Nancy, do you have any, any questions or comments you want to put right now or Mark, either one of you? Because otherwise I can continue on with all kinds of questions on that. Yes, yes. Please continue. Please continue. Okay, no, no problem. Because um, I don't want to kind of bogart it all. But um also, Dr. Daniels, I want to ask you about if you have any input or um, any thoughts on mushroom, medicinal mushroom supplements, you know, the reishis, the turkey tails, things like that. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah, I hate to be a, par a party crasher or whatever, but I just ignore them. Just ignore them. So back when I was practicing medicine in the 90s, the mushrooms made an incredible uh, marketing presence. And I was going to alternative healing conferences, and I bought everything. I bought the this mushroom, that mushroom, the other mushroom, all the tinctures, everything. And then my practice was a cash practice, which meant whether you were black, white, yellow, whatever, you pretty much were, you know, either well off or you had a relative who was well off and paying for you to come see me. One of the two. So I had one guy in my practice. Well, first of all, I'll say 
I bought all these mushrooms uh, extracts and took them and I noticed nothing. Okay, fine. So this guy uh, had heard about me and he and his wife drove, got three hours to come see me and he had um, prostate cancer. It was pretty far gone. And so I sat down there, listened to uh, you know, everything, the whole story. And uh, he had friends who were PhDs, who were doctors, who were involved in research and who were, were conducting trials, all kinds of stuff. So I said, well, you know, just uh, relax here. Before you get too hepped up in those trials, uh, why don't you give this a try? So, you know, I uh, put him on a diet, a cleansing program, and uh, turpentine. And it took him about eh, two weeks, and man, he felt just brand new. Well, he got a plane and flew from New York to Florida to go play tennis with his buddies, and he was just zipping all around having a great time. And so then he said, okay, he's going to go visit his buddy, the researcher at the University of Rochester, who would get him in on this trial of reishi mushrooms and um he went and talked to his friend and gave his friend the whole story which was hey i was sick i was this i was that i, t I talked to this doctor you know i went to this bad place bad neighborhood but she was a nice person and somebody to do this stuff and these are results i got and he said you know what uh no one's getting that kind of results in this trial you, you just don't don't even enter the trials waste your time just stick with whatever she's telling you and um, we have people here in Panama who are totally into the reishi mushrooms, who are making extracts, doing this, doing that. And their health is pretty uh, mediocre and lousy, basically. So uh, based on my observation experience, again, these five things, distilled water, nutrition, dump the parasites, dump the toxins and poop, you just can't beat it. A lot of people try and jump over this stuff, skip this stuff and go straight to the mushrooms or straight to this or straight to that. Waste of time, waste of money. Do those five steps, and most will find they actually don't need to go much further. Well, that's interesting. Um, I do have a comment. I have a, I'm logged in on Facebook chat over here as well, and I have somebody was asking about the distilled water, whether yeah. there was anything to be concerned about with maybe leaching minerals, if there was something to that from your bones or other organs or anything. Do you have any um, feedback on that? Yeah. So I also recommend um, that people take a shilajit or mumia which is a trace mineral supplement. Um, $25 is basically a five-year supply. Can't beat it. Uh, I'm sorry, two-year supply, two-year supply. So I recommend that for trace minerals, your other minerals, which is which would be like your salt, I recommend everyone salt their food um, heavily or salt it to taste at least. And that's it. You're pretty much you're good to go. Now, on the other hand, there's a nutritional issue, right? So the distilled water is cleaning out your trash and your garbage. You have the responsibility of nutritionally eating food that's going to build yourself up. A lot of people are so friggin' toxic that the poisons and parasites are literally holding hands, and that's the only thing keeping them together. So you need to eat you know, nutritious, clean food. You need to eat... Um, Organ meats, I'd recommend starting with liver because you're going to get the greatest result, the quickest uh, with that. I recommend eating um, collagen. No, not collagen supplements. I mean eating either pig's feet, chicken feet, cow feet, you know. And that stuff is much stronger even than any collagen you're going to buy in a can. So many people are malnourished, and the polluted water they're eating – well, is delivering parasites and, say, heavy metals and stuff, 
they are so malnourished that literally the heavy metals and parasites are acting like a plaster their body is using to hold them together. Sure, yeah. Do you have a particular um, salt that you recommend or one that you use? Um, I use, uh, I guess you could call it sea salt, but I use a local salt from the ocean. Uh, it's a dirty brown color. And whenever I'm making something really nice, like uh, a dessert or something, I will take the salt and dissolve it so that the dirt falls to the ground and I just uh, scoop the salt off the top. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was asking because we're bringing in various salts here for different things from different types of baths and uses, not just in the kitchen. Um, ah, okay. So for the baths, um, I have found really uh, sea salt, Epsom salt, it all works. They really, it's just the salt concentration that's the defining factor in terms of cleansing. So I encourage people for their bath salts that they want to soak to pull toxins out of their skin that they simply get um, salt that they can use in large amounts. So I generally recommend four cups per tub. That's a lot of salt, especially most salts that you buy expressly for that purpose that are so labeled. You could go broke. So I recommend that people just buy salt. I mean, you can even buy um, rock salt for your driveway. You could use that. Just put it in the pot, heat it up, make sure you dissolve it, because if you just throw it in the tub, it's so sharp it'll slice you. But, you know, heat it in the pot in the stove till the salt's dissolved, pour it in the tub, and there you go. But people now, more than ever, have simply got to be resourceful. They have got to be independent they've got to take personal responsibility for their health if they don't then they're going to be killed when they go to the medical industrial complex what now is being set up in the united states which is they're going to start with the vaccines um but they're going to start injecting people with poisonous chemicals and simply just killing them so this now more than ever it is critical for people to separate themselves, uncouple themselves from the medical industrial complex and the government in every single way. Um, you know, all these deaths that have been happening with the present situation have happened to people in government custody, whether it's a nursing home, emergency room, intensive care unit. And now people are talking about sending their kids back to school. Are you crazy? You're going to send your kids to government custody? Really? What do you expect to happen? Kids who have not died yet are going to start dying. And it's going to be attributed, of course, to the present situation. So people need to right now aggressively and to the fullest extent of their ability um, take back control or really just uncouple themselves, separate themselves from the medical industrial complex, from any, any um, drug, pill, injection, or any physical piece of land that's under control, under government control. I'd have to say I agree with you 100% on that, and I did that several years ago, and I've done nothing but become healthier and benefit on many levels since then. Exactly. It's been miraculous. Uh, Good. First of all, let you know. No, that's that's phenomenal. So I agree with you. And like I was saying, 100% on that. Is, I mean, I don't even know the last time I've seen a doctor now or have a prescription drug or anything like that. Exactly. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I've taken, and I make my own supplements, meaning a supplement as far as like a, a turmeric with black pepper, something like that for right. inflammation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all about um, promoting that and looking at other ways of healing yourself. You don't, our body's not um, craving a chemical. It's just yeah, not, not, not to pry, but I just want, if, if you can share the situation, are you finding that even financially you're so much better off? <laughs> that is so accurate because of the and we uh, my wife and I did the the math just a couple of weeks ago on that and what we were paying between the two of us and what we were forced to pay let's put it that way because you couldn't be employed where we were without their insurance mm -hmm. it was approximately oh about sixteen hundred dollars a month for something we didn't need unless we were treating a symptom of something they caused so it made no sense it was tens of thousands of dollars and then I thought well how much have I spent on my supplements um, and natural organic this, that, and the other that I take? And it's a fraction of the cost, and I've done nothing but improve since then. Exactly. I mean, if, if people are not convinced by anything else, just the finances, like what you just told me right there, is that's just $19,200 savings. That's just off the top. That's not even with the co-pays you avoided, the deductibles, uh, the parking fees, the uh, pharmacy fees. You know, $19,200 in after-tax money, that is not chump change. That is substantial. That's huge. And then the time as well for somebody like me, it's so busy. It's I'm sure we all are. But even that of just the time and, and waiting to go to those places. And again, yeah. you're just treating a symptom of, another, of something else anyway. So. And so people don't realize how much their life this is that this is stolen. Like 19000 let's just say for the sake of discussion, you're earning 100000 a year. That means that 20% of your time at work, one day or 10 hours a week, basically, Jesus Christ, eight hours a week, you're working for the medical industrial complex. Wow, that's, that's, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm like, oh, that is so poignant. You're, you're making such a great point. If we just look at it from that perspective, it's, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, can you say slaves? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so for people, it, 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 you know, there's all these get rich quick programs online, right? And it's sitting right there in front of them. Separate yourself from the medical industrial complex. I don't care who you are. Your wealth will skyrocket. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Exactly. Are there any other... Um... Any other things that maybe we hadn't gotten to yet uh, as far as, you know, maybe natural, we'll just call them supplements or additives we want to want to do. Um, so we've talked about turpentine, castor oil, um, you know, a little bit just now about the uh, turmeric and whatnot. But is there something else that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you think is really important for us all to know about? And maybe I, I'd like her to talk a little bit more about the castor oil. Because that Edgar Casey said that was the hand, the palm of Christ. hand of Christ, the hand of Christ. Hand of Christ. <laughs> yes. When I first encountered Edgar Casey, I was like, you know, this guy's just a little over the top. Be the hand of Christ, really? But after decades of working with castor oil, I'm telling you, if it may, if it's it, it may not be the hand of Christ, but it's darn close. Um, it is uh, absolutely uh, amazing. The thing to understand about castor oil is you can use it topically or internally. And in most cultures, they'll say, oh, you can use it topically, but it'll kill you internally. Oh, you can use it internally, but it'll kill you topically. So not true. You can use it internally and topically. 
And so castor oil, the way to think of it is it's a purgative, period, purgative. It drives out all the bad stuff. And if you want to get into hands of Christ and exorcism and all that spirit drives out the evil spirits, you can think of it that way. But here's the deal. If you take castor oil and you put it on your skin, um, let's say every day, you will notice your skin will actually clear up. Your liver spots and age spots will start fading. It's amazing. So I use it on my skin at least four times a week. And those of you who've seen pictures of me online, my skin is pretty darn good for 63. So uh, castor oil for the skin, amazing. But let's just say your skin problem is mm, a little worse than many. You can just touch it with a little splash of lavender oil, which really heals the skin. You can, if you have an, an outbreak of a, let's say you get into something like uh, a bee or a wasp bites you, you can dab that bite with, um, castor oil, smear it around, it'll help that um, go away or clear up. Turpentine does that as well. So castor oil is wonderful for topical applications. Let's say you have a particular organ that's not doing very well. Maybe it's, um, well, lungs not so much. For lungs, I would use Vicks Vapor, which is stronger. But you can, for your liver, they talk about liver um, castor oil packs. I am not a favor of castor oil packs because they are too messy and too cumbersome and just it, it too involved. So I just recommend putting castor oil liberally or generously either over the liver or over the kidneys or over the belly, whatever part of you that feels uh, miserable. So you just can't beat castor oil for a topical application. Internally, it is... Um, absolutely amazing. I had one lady, I was in medical practice and she wasn't the healthiest person, but she wasn't, you know, terribly sick either. Like she didn't have a, a condition requiring medications, but she was overweight and she was getting a few aches and pains. She calls you one night and says, it's just unbearable. Every bone in my body aches. Every single bone in my body aches. Isn't there something that can be done to get rid of this terrible pain? I said, you know what, here, here, just, just do this. Get yourself a little uh, TV dinner tray, put it in front of the toilet, put a half gallon of water on it, and then uh, get a quarter cup of castor oil. Drink the castor oil. As soon as that castor oil gets down, start drinking. And she pooped and pooped all night long. The next day, she had no pain. No pain. I mean, castor oil, is it is just such a miraculous uh, substance. Another lady came to my office and she was about, I don't know, maybe 80 pounds overweight. And she had been coming to see me for a few years. And finally, she, one day she just said, you know what, doctor, I'm sick and tired of all this weight. But what really bothers me, I could, I could live with the 80 pounds. What really bothers me is my back pain. And she pointed to her lower back. It's a pretty big, massive area. It just hurts and on and on and on. I said, okay, okay, okay. Told her the exact same thing to do. Pain was gone. Gone the next day. In fact, she was not a rich lady, but she scraped together her money and paid to come in to show me her pain was gone and do a little dance for me and touch her toes. 
But castor oil is, you know, you just you just cannot cannot beat it. That yeah, that's that's amazing. And I wanted to ask you too when you're talking about for the castor oil on topically. So you mentioned different um, skin issues or ailments and, and liver spots and um, color. Right. But not so would that be something directly on that spot or is it more on your skin it gets into your skin and it will affect you everywhere or is it like you know immediately on those spots do you recommend um it depends so if you have a localized problem i would put it on that particular spot if you have a more generalized problem then i would do it like waist down for three days and then head to toe daily after that and it's just absolutely amazing so what it does is it frees up the toxins. And so the reason you don't go head to toe out the gate is it frees up too many toxins and your, and your liver and all of your organs of cleansing get overwhelmed. And it can take you a week to recover from that. So that's why I recommend just doing waist down for three days and then head to toe. Okay. Can, can I ask you, um, is there difference? I, I've, I've not been without that for decades mm -hmm. so but i'm just sitting here thinking about it and i'm going like is there some kind of uh the better better uh castor oil than others i mean what do they got out there that people might run into very good question so your regular regular drugstore is standing there ready and waiting to poison you so you want to look on your castor oil bottle for something called hexane h-e-x-a-n-e -E. hexane causes cancer so you do not want any castor oil that contains hexane. And many castor oils will say hexane-free. So if it's hexane-free, you're good to go. Now, a lot of people are going to try and sell you jacked-up castor oil for twice the price and give it all kinds of fancy names. Maybe it's black castor oil. Maybe it's organic castor oil. Maybe it's India castor oil. Blah, 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 blah. But only thing that matters that I'm aware of is the hexane if you can make sure there is no hexane in your bottle, you're good to go. Personally, I buy it by the gallon. So when you buy castor oil by the gallon, even in your country, it's about one-fifth the price. H-E-X-A-N-E, -E, hexane. Yeah, that's good to know. That's fantastic. So we can look for that. I was just on Amazon a couple other sites looking for those, and you're right. A lot of them don't have the hexane free, and some do. So, you know, everybody do their due diligence research and read the labels, as we yeah. all on everything yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a big proponent of you know if you read the label the ingredients label and there's something on there that you can't pronounce or even understand you might want to you know put that in a search box and figure out what it is because it's or just put it aside just don't even bother <laughs> that's <even> better <laughs> and that's what i do too i'm like what language is that not for me my body's not craving yeah. that one. exactly exactly <laughs> um i did have another question on now let me bring it up I was looking at the, um, the uh, oh shoot, and I'm kind of losing my spot here, but I think it was a peppermint oil you had mentioned. Was that the other one? Um, no. No, I haven't mentioned it. No, it lavender, lavender. Lavender. Oh, lavender, yes, lavender. Can you tell me a little bit more about that on, on its uh, potential benefits and, and uses? Um, There's a lot of benefits, a lot of uses, but where the skin is concerned, um, the lavender oil helps heal wounds, um, helps with scars, with burning, with painful areas. So it's a major healer for the skin. Now, it also helps with the brain. It helps uh, calm people down. 
It helps get rid of seizures, uh, minimize seizures. It's really a wonderful, wonderful oil. Yeah, I'm asking that because that's interesting. I have not used that myself. But what do you have any input or information you can share as far as the whether using diffusers for oils are good, meaning you would inhale them in your environment, whether that's harmful or not, or whether you know you have any input on that? Yeah. So if you're going to use a diffuser, or actually, if you're going to use any um, essential oil, you want to definitely check the purity. This is really, really important. Because many people will um, buy scented oils. Scented oils and essential oils are not the same. And a lot of these scented oils are filled with chemicals that actually destroy your health. And so you must first start with a pure, 100% pure essential oil. It's going to cost you more, but it's going to save you a lot of grief and it's not going to make you sick. So that's number one. Number two... In your distiller, in your um, diffuser, it always requires water plus the oil. Use a water, use distilled water. And then the next thing, um, so I decided I was going to use diffusers. What diffusers all over the house? Like, oh, one for each room. This scent for this room. That scent for that room. Wrong. So um, I live in, even though I do live in the jungle, I live indoors and I have fans and things like that. So if you have fans or air conditioning then that's going to suck up all of your essential oil and you're not really going to get any benefit from it. So if you're going to use a diffuser, it kind of depends on you having air that's not very, um, doesn't move a lot. So I won't say stagnant, but let's just say calm. So what I recommend then is, uh, well, lavender is a very mild oil. It's one of the few oils you don't need to cut with the carrier oil. So with lavender, you can just put some on your wrist. You can put it behind your ear. You can put it right under your um, nostrils. So you want to just put it where you can inhale it. Um, one area I do recommend diffuser is in the bedroom at night. That is huge, huge, huge. So if you're an insomniac, for example, then you can put um, lavender oil, maybe even chamomile with it in your diffuser in the, in the bedroom, and that will help you sleep. So general use of diffusers, what I find is it doesn't work for me because I have too many other, uh, I have too many fans and other things going. I live down here, you know, like I said, in the jungle heat. But if you're living in a situation where your air in your room is more calm, then you could do that. Uh, another option that might make a little more sense for people is something called potpourri. And that's where you put a pot on the stove with some hot water and you throw in some cinnamon, um, star anise, or cloves, and that disinfects the air and um, uplifts the spirit and makes people calm and happy. Is that the similar effect that, because you mentioned chamomile, so is that a calming, soothing effect for... Chamomile is calming and soothing, but when you put clove and star anise and cinnamon, you have an either even higher effect where now you're getting rid of all the bacteria and viruses and parasites in the air, and you're literally creating a healthier air. Whereas a chamomile, um, lavender in a diffuser, it just helps calm you down. It doesn't have any additional uh, healing values. Sure. No, that makes, that, that makes sense. Um, I have... 
a question, another question that came in from um, somebody listening, and they're they're asking about oregano and maybe some potential uses for that that you can recommend. Um, yeah, so I am totally totally not a fan of oregano oil just because it's too harsh, so I don't use it. Okay. You using it as natural form, just the uh, the plant. The spice. Yeah, the spice. Uh, you know, I'll throw it in my pizza sauce when I'm simmering down my tomatoes. Uh, that's pretty much it. So way back when, in the 90s again, um, oregano oil was first made famous. And people were putting it in capsules, and they were putting it under their tongue, and all kinds of things. And it's really just too harsh. Turpentine is way, way, way milder and has a much broader spectrum because of its higher tolerance. You can do a lot more with it. Um, I'm looking through my notes here. I'm out of ones I was going to ask you. Again, is there anything that um, we're not asking you um, that, that you want to mention to the listeners regarding, you know, taking charge of their own health and, and maybe some other options or potential items they can pick up to, to help? Um, again, I think, uh, you know, I, I used to, when I first started, I mean, so as a young kid, uh, 11 years old, I thought that, you know, people could get healthy or you could, doctors could make people healthy by giving them the proper advice. That's what I thought, um, that there is an intervention. Um, then as I got older in my 40s, I said, well, you know, it's really lifestyle. They need to, people need to eat the right thing and um, that that would really do it. And now in my 60s, I'm like, you know what, I, I, don't, I think I missed it. The real problem that people have is a spiritual problem. And I'm not talking about their religion. Whatever religion you are, I think you should stick with it, whatever it is. But the problem that people are having is they have placed their trust in groups of people who are literally trying to kill them. And that is really the problem here. Um, it really breaks my heart when I hear people say, oh, I'm trusting science. I'm going to look at the science. And then for me to know that at least half of all scientific reports are made up and falsified and are simply political mechanisms to manipulate people. I'm not saying science is all wrong, but I'm saying it's not uh, reliable. It's not, that's it, it's not reliable. And then people put their trust in the government. Um, they literally have a TV or a radio in case they need to get a, a government public health announcement. And um, throughout my life, there's been a lot of public health announcements, and not one of them has been either A, accurate, or B, helpful. And so I think the real affliction uh, that's keeping people sick nowadays is the utter lack of skepticism, the utter complete faith and trust they're putting into the educational system, um, the scientific community and the government, and really we can roll it all together, called experts. I don't care what any expert tells you, if you can look out the window and see that what they're telling you is not true, then it's not true. Or what I used to say when I started finding this disparity was maybe it's true for them, but it's not true for me. But now what I realize is they were just lying. But if calling them liars is too big a, a leap for listeners, then don't do that. Just realize that that's their truth and it may not be true for you. But that is the true uh, affliction. I literally have people who will eat something, they will feel sick, 
And they'll say, you know what, but it's good for me. I'm like, no, it's not good for you. <laughs> it just made you sick. So I would say people really need to believe their own body. People really need to believe their observations. People really need to be uh, skeptical of these experts. These ex many of these experts are paid and uh, they are making it up. And they're saying what they are uh, paid to say. You know, like doctors in the 50s told us that cigarettes were healthy, right? Um, you know, we had doctors telling us that fat was bad and sugar was good. So uh, there's, and we had doctors telling us we had to exercise to lose weight. Noah mentioned that um, maybe what you're eating had something to do with it. So people are suffering needlessly because of this faith that they have placed in experts who are not worthy of their trust. No, I agree. That's great points. Question everything. I mean, do your own research. Look into it. Well, not only that, believe it. Believe. Believe what your body tells you. Believe it. Like, I have a brother. He's diabetic. And he goes to see his diabetic specialist doctor. And he does what his doctor tells him. He's got a coverage schedule. administers the insulin according to the coverage schedule. Five times a year, he ends up in the hospital in a diabetic coma because his blood sugar went too low. And I said, uh, Matthew, do you think it's time to fire your diabetic doctor. Oh, I need him. He's an expert. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah here, you, if somebody's an expert, I'd probably go get that third, fourth, and maybe fifth opinion. Well, again, that doesn't work either because all the experts have to tell you the same thing or they get fired or penalized. Yeah, good point. It's like a doctor to stand of care. It's not a second opinion. It's an echo. Great point. So you've got to believe what you experience. You know, if a doctor tells you to do something, you do it and you feel worse, that doctor messed up. Yeah, no, listen to yourself and your body. No, I agree. Mark, did you have some, any questions um, you wanted to ask her? Oh, yeah. Um, can you tell us where to buy uh, turpentine and shilajit? I can't really tell you where to buy turpentine. I can tell you what type to buy, though. You need to buy 100% pure gum spirits. So all those words are important. 100% means there's nothing in it but turpentine. And pure means the turpentine in it is in it is pure. For example, something can be 50% pure turpentine, right? So you need the percentage, which is 100. You need the word pure, which means it's turpentine. Gum refers to the resin. And that's only in the pine tree. So gum means it's turpentine in the pine tree. There's all kinds of turpentines in the world from all kinds of plants. You want the one from the pine. So that's the gum. Spirits means it's been distilled. So and turpentine is a type of oil. So it has to be 100% pure gum spirits of turpentine. If any of those words are missing, then it's not the right stuff. Um, and where can you find this? You can find it, obviously, on Amazon where you find everything else. Uh, you can also find it in the hardware store. So I live uh, in the jungle in a third world country, so I have to go to a um, hardware store, and they go in the back, and they get a dirty jug, and they fill it with something they tell me is turpentine, and they hand it to me. 
Now, since I have a little bit of experience with turpentine, I can smell it and say, yeah, it's turpentine, and I take it home. For most Americans, and the drug is, of course, unlabeled. So for most Americans, that is a level of personal responsibility they're probably not willing to accept. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so all I'm saying is depending on where you are, it's going to depend on where the, you know, how you get it. In uh, California, they've outlawed turpentine. I'm sure for the good of the people. Well, that says a whole lot right there, doesn't it? And Shilajit. I can't tell you where to get that either because the links keep changing and one person will start selling it, another person will stop. And, you know, so I used to give out all these links and they just don't work very long. So what kind of Shilajit do you want to get? You want Russian Shilajit. So you want Shilajit from Russia, not any other country, Russia. Why Russia? The Russian government actually takes personal pride in their Shilajit. Shilajit in that part of the world is known as a destroyer of weaker weakness and the maker of men. I mean, it's a big deal. You get the right stuff, man, you're, you're in business. So um, you want Russian Shilajit. And it should be a tar. Do not accept capsules or powder like dr daniels why because the other forms have too high a heavy metal um, content so you want russian shilajit and tar and can you spell that shilajit please s-h-i-l-a-j-i-t shilajit yeah i've never heard that either i'm saying you're looking into it myself That's and, and so it needs to be a tar excuse me derek yeah. so so you and you can get this, I mean, this is a known thing. I've never seen this before, like Derek is saying. So it's something that people know about? Well, some people know about it, but, I mean, I didn't find out about it until, you know, the past uh, six years. So it is not a common, it's not common knowledge in the United States. It is common knowledge throughout um, Asia and Russia and India you know, there, I mean, everyone uses, I mean, certainly the men use it because they, they use it, you know, to maintain their strength. What, what is it exactly? What, what's it coming from? So once upon a time, a long time ago, thousands of years ago, um, living things died. Let's call them plants. To, so no one gets offended. Plants died. And those plants became compost. And that compost became com compressed. And so basically... Um, all of the minerals and all of that living matter became super concentrated and itself still bound to living matter. And so that is shilajit. And so what this means then is when you put shilajit in your body, your body is actually able to quickly absorb it because it's organic. It's not an inorganic mineral. So these are, are minerals made by nature that are already bound to organic uh, molecules and therefore quickly and easily absorbed by the body. So when you take shilajit, especially the first two or three times, you will actually feel um, this kind of energy going through your body. It's, it's amazing. Uh, increased feeling of strength. Do you happen to know where in Russia that they get this or is it gotten all any place in Russia? No, any there's a special... The bogs? No, 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 no. It's special Altai Mountains. And um, these are safeguarded by the government of Russia. They take great pride in it. And it's very exclusive stuff. Well, I'm fascinated. <laughs> uh, 
they, they've got some real treasures in Russia. Shungite only comes from Russia. Ah, okay, there you go. Well, okay. on the right track. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's why, I, that's why I was asking you. As a matter of fact, I wrote the book, uh, Shungite Reality, and we've just published it in Russian, acrylic Russian. Oh, good. You know, the actual language, because um, so many people in Russia started wanting to, actually two translators volunteered russians translators volunteered to do the book yeah now my shilajet does is written in russian on the bottle so literally i could not go online and order it because i can't enter the russian characters from my typewriter um but you go to ebay and you just scroll down and you see it so what they call it another word for it is mumio um M-Y-M-U-E, Mumio. And the dose is 200 milligrams a day for about four or five days a week. Yeah, I just found it on uh, several different websites, and you're right, it's, uh, yeah, most of it from Russia. And so uh, part of it is they're saying it's a resin form. Would that be the same thing as tar form that you're talking about? Correct, yes, yes. So I live in the tropics, where it's a little warmer, so it's soft like tar. If you're in a place where it's colder, it's going to be hard like resin. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So what I found, so I just found it on one site, and it's basically about forty-five grams for sixty dollars plus shipping. Right. Uh, That's way overpriced. We buy it on the Russian website. It's a hundred grams, twenty-five dollars, no shipping. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mumio. Spell it, please. M y m u a u e m y m u e. Again, this is just approximate smell spelling. If you go on eBay, you'll see it spelled all kinds of ways. In America, we're fussy about spelling. Other countries, not so much. <laughs> no, no, we, no, no, you got <laughs> Yeah, I got a um, couple of things here. Um, so um, you do have a weekly podcast. Can you tell us where to find it, uh, which sites to view it, um, how long it's been running, and topics you've covered? Yeah, it's right now it's on Vimeo. It's been running since uh, 2012, and um, it used to be on Blog Talk Radio. It used to be on RBN Radio. It used to be on Facebook and YouTube, and so now we're pretty much down to um, Vimeo. So the other formats wanted me to do too many shows uh, you know, lasting longer than what I feel comfortable with. So I just went to my own, you know, show format of basically an hour uh, a week or hour most weeks. So we're going to change that format is uh, scheduled to change. So right now the theme of the show is that the medical industrial complex is the leading cause of death in the United States even ahead of heart attacks and cancer. Um, so if you look at, so in my book, Murder by Medicine is No Accident, I tally about 880,000 deaths per year just from medicine. And then when you add to that, the government's own report on the Medicare system being responsible for 180,000 deaths a year. And there's 180,000 elderly people die every year because of care they received made possible by the government because government paid for it. And when you add that 180,000 to 880,000, it puts you up over a million. So literally, um, 
40% to half of all the deaths in the United States are from access to medical care. So had people not had access to medical care, they would literally be alive. And I talk to people every single week, you know, in my appointments. This one lady, she was concerned about her mother. Mother's kidneys were failing. Mother's getting ready to go to dialysis. As she spoke to me, the doctors were, you know, across town putting in the dialysis access. When she told me the medicines they had her mother on, I explained to her if I were taking those medicines, I would need dialysis. So literally the doctors had taken her mother, perfectly healthy mother, put her on medicines that made her kidneys fail, and then put her on dialysis. All of this paid for by Medicare. And so the radio show each week examines a small facet or aspect of how the medical industrial complex kills people. And I also tell people how to avoid um, being killed by the medical industrial complex. Well, I see why they're blocking you everywhere now. <laughs> for reasons to listen. So I'll definitely go into your archives and sharing. Um, no, that's, that's great. Um, now the I archives um, from November on back are available at uh, vitalitycapsules.com. Perfect. Okay, great. Mark, did you have more questions you want to ask uh, Dr. Daniels? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... Let me see. So you already covered about, or maybe you could talk more about the material in the book since people can buy that, have something hands-on, or, or isn't like an e-book, but just, I don't know, uh, just more uh, details about the thing. book. Uh, Murder by Medicine is No Accident is not a hands-on book. That is a, um, that's an e-book. But it's still, it's really worth it because what the book shows is how every single person involved in making sure a patient dies has such immediate pressure on them at that moment to do their part and contribute to the person's death. It's just like what we're going through now. Okay, wear a mask or you get a $200 fine or $1,000 fine or whatever. Or this family in Australia, they threw a birthday party and so now they're facing $24,000 fines. What they do is put enough pressure on you to get you to take the next step in killing this patient. And in most cases, even the doctor or the nurse or the medical resident involved in the killing may not immediately see where their little piece is going to contribute to killing someone. And so then they can also turn a blind eye to the whole thing. For example, I was a residency. I don't think I mentioned this one in the book, but um, an old lady came in. She was um, 90, I think she was 90 years old. And the hospital I trained at was Chestnut Hill. It was um, in the richest suburb of Philadelphia where the rich and not so famous live, like the Nixon, Eisenhowers, those people. So this family, uh, affluent family, brings in their affluent mother um, Friday night and says, you know, she's just not feeling well. Things aren't well. Why don't you just do a few tests and make sure everything's fine? So she comes in the emergency room. They admit her, and the resident writes routine orders for pain, that'd be Tylenol, for sleep, that'd be, I don't know, whatever, and for da-da-da-da-da, all these routine orders. And this is these are called standing orders. They're routine. Every hospital has them. So that night, I guess the mother was a little restless or whatever. The nurse gave her a sleeping pill, and that was it. She died. Uh, she was dead. Didn't wake up the next morning. 
clearly she was killed by uh, the standing orders. So the committee, the hospital committee that made up the standing orders, the nurse that affixed them to the chart, the resident who checked all the boxes, the nurse who gave the pill according to orders, all of them had a part in killing this lady. Nobody was held responsible because why? Well, standard of care. The malpractice laws in the United States are written to say you can only hold the doctor responsible if one, there was harm, which in this case there certainly was, and two, the doctor deviated from the standard of care. So you can see there's a double whammy there, right? You think you're getting protected because you get to sue if you're harmed, but because the standard of care is what does the harm and the doctor is bound to determine to do it and held harmless if he does it, then the malpractice rules themselves actually guarantee quite a few more deaths than what would otherwise happen. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go to the <clears throat> April Jennifer Daniels uh, show with me. It was a special show. Yeah. Um, because it's just when, when she went through that, like I said, I, it wasn't like it was surprising to me, but the details. And now that you explained it this way, too, that everybody has their own little part. And, oh, I just did what I was told, what I needed to do. And, you know, we've heard that a long time ago, didn't we? But um, not that. But the people, like like the, the committee that, that okayed the standing orders, never even heard about this lady's death. They did not even know the damage they were doing. The resident who checked the boxes, all he was doing was making sure he got the paperwork in order. So no one in this whole situation, this whole setup, had the intent of killing this lady. But the system was designed for her to be killed. Now what makes my book so stark was Everybody who had a hand in this patient's situation knew. They knew that this medicine that was being given was a deadly dose. Everybody knew. Nobody could pretend because yours truly was on the case. And so I knew the dose was deadly. The nurse knew the dose was deadly. And the doctor didn't care. And... Things just marched forward, and the book tells the whole story. Now, you call the book, um, I think, it well, is Lethal Dose. Lethal. Lethal Dose. The and Lethal th Dose, and why your doctor is prescribing it. Well, no, I think the whole title is Lethal Dose, Murder by Medicine is Not a Myth. It's no accident. It's no accident, is yeah. it? Yep, murder by medicine is no accident. It's no accident, yes. No, yes, it's all good. planned and designed in advance. And any doctor who tries to stop that uh, downhill train gets mowed over. So murder by medicine is absolutely no accident. It's planned out in advance. It is the intention. And even in medical school, even in medical school, what they told us was, when you do what you're supposed to do as a doctor, people are going to die. They're going to die. But that's why there's malpractice to protect you. And as long as you do it, you're, as long as you follow the rules, 
those deaths, you know, you will not be blamed for those deaths. Now, it gets even worse. Then they tell us, so you have this thing called the FDA, right? You think the FDA is there to make sure your drugs are safe and effective. That's entirely possible, but there's no evidence to that. So what we are told in medical school is the FDA is there to inspect substances that are harmful, that are dangerous, that will kill people. And the FDA is there. So if the FDA has to review the substance, the premise is that it's not safe. The premise is that it's not safe. So the FDA is not reviewing something to determine it's safe because we know it's not safe. That's why they're reviewing it. Okay. If it was safe, it would be grass, generally recognized as safe. Okay. So if it's grass, FDA does not review it. So if the FDA is reviewing a, a substance, it is dangerous and deadly. Okay. Just understand that. So what does the FDA do? Well, the FDA determines at what dose, at what frequency it would be proper to use this dangerous and deadly substance. So there's going to be deaths. Let's be clear. So the FDA is not there to prevent people from dying from use of medicines. Oh, no, no. They're there to determine what would be the safest, supposedly, dose and frequency to administer to have an acceptable number of deaths. Now, this is really absurd when you think about all the conditions which themselves are not deadly for which the FDA is approving deadly drugs. Now, if that's not biological warfare, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, I have had to stop people and almost like literally grab them figuratively by the neck and shake them and say, excuse me, you have a non-deadly condition. Why are you accepting deadly intervention for a condition that is not deadly? And people don't even think about it. They don't think about it. They're just following along, following along, following along, following along. Now, once I tell them that, then I think it's certainly within their right to proceed and take this deadly drug for a harmless condition. That's fine. But I think people should at least stop and think. And if you feel that it's okay for you to take a deadly drug for a harmless condition, then fine, go ahead and do it. But many people are taking a drug call it Tylenol, believing that it's safe. No, at least a thousand people every year in the United States, and that's, I don't know whose number that is, but back when I was in medical school, the number was 2,500. Die from Tylenol, taken, we won't say if it's as prescribed or what, but we'll, I'll tell you what I was told in medical school. There is no known dose of Tylenol at which a person has not died. In other words, for every Tylenol dose, there is a death, however low that dose is. I'm not saying Tylenol should be off the market. Don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, please have Tylenol on the market. But what I am saying, because people need to understand, you're wearing a mask to protect yourself from a virus and popping Tylenol pills? Really? Oh, I, I have no idea what people are thinking. I just, uh, <laughs> I am stultified. And for those of you who don't know, it's brought to a mental standstill. I am just, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. But the way I look at it, everyone has one life to live. And all I can do is give people information and then give them the same freedom I would want to have, which is the freedom to decide. And so what people are, I think, wrongly failing to do is they think that because they let someone else decide, that would be the government or drug company or doctor or whatever, that if I let someone else decide, then they're responsible, I'm not. No, you're the one that dies. And so, yeah. As long as you've brought up the question of the masks, they don't protect you from catching the virus. Supposedly, they protect you from spreading the virus. But do you see a danger in actually wearing the masks? No, no. First of all, let's just stop with the premise right there. So it doesn't protect you from getting the virus, right? Are we, are you, is that what right, you're telling yes, me? Y- okay. Yes. It, so wait, wait. You're, you're able to inhale air, virus in the air. That virus can pass through the mask in one direction but can't pass through in the other direction? Are you looking at a logical situation here? No, that's what I'm saying. The vi- you can't be protected from the virus when you're wearing the mask. But what they're saying is that your spittle is what carries the, the virus to the next person. That's, I don't believe any of this. But, well, um, they changed that. Now, just talking with no spittle carries it. So, okay. yeah. So now what they're telling you, we have a mask. It's a magic mask. The virus only travels in one direction. That's nonsense. Just right there in the face of it. But, but I've, I've been to China, so I can, t- I can give you some information because I've been to China. Aren't we lucky? So I went to China in, I think it was 2015, somewhere around there. Everybody, I won't say everybody, a lot of people were wearing masks. And why were they wearing masks? They were wearing masks because the air pollution there is so friggin' heavy, it's, it's amazing. That's why they were wearing, wearing masks. Okay. So the people who were wearing masks, those masks failed to protect them from the air pollution. Those are pretty big particles. And so they were, there were people, I mean, after I left, people were complaining to the government about the air pollution, blah, blah, blah. So we have a mask that can't even protect you from a huge air pollution particle. How is it going to protect anyone from a small viral particle? But again, most Americans haven't been to China, right? They they don't know. They don't know. That here we have a, a culture where people were already wearing masks and it did no good. All right. When you're in China, how do people greet you? They don't shake your hand. They stand back a few feet and they bow. Okay, here we are, social distancing. Didn't stop the spread in China. Social distancing, right? So what we've got going on here then is all we've done is make American culture more like China's culture. And these things that have been, we'll call them implemented, have are patently, were patently ineffective in China because this is what their culture was already doing before the situation, we'll call it the situation, happened. So we know, just from looking at their culture, that those things are not effective. We know that for whatever it is that's out there, and we, can, we don't even need to discuss virus, no virus, we'll just, we'll just say whatever it is, you can't protect yourself from it by wearing a mask or by social distancing because China did it in fact, that was their cultural norm, and it did not work. Yep, but there's certainly a lot of people that want to wear masks. Well, again, it's because of their ignorance. If they'd all been to China in 2015, 
they would have the same perspective. I mean, if I had not been to China, I wouldn't know this. But I went to China and I saw this. Well, it's also presented to us that um, they wear these masks not for air pollution, but to protect themselves from germs. I mean, I knew it was air pollution, you know, but when they started talking about the masks and everything, again, a perceived thing that they'd put in your head. Yeah, see, they're all wearing it. They're all, you know, so you get used to seeing people wearing it. Right, exactly. But again, it's a psychological game, but they're telling you this, what, in 2020? No one's telling you that, hey, in 2015, they were wearing these masks. So I think as far as the mask goes, anyone who thinks you need a mask, I'm not here to convince you otherwise. Go ahead and wear your mask. But I will tell you someone else wearing a mask is not going to help you. Now, let me ask you, do you think there's any uh, effects to to health by wearing the masks? Oh, yeah, because I, um, so here where I am, you have to wear a mask when you're outside. So when I'm outside and I, you know, wear a mask, you know, there's, there's the, the perspiration gets stuck around the nose, you know, it's difficult to breathe. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's really terrible. Because we've um, come to a conclusion, or I have at least, um, through the help of Derek, he was explaining the uh, response he had when he had to put a mask on. Yeah. And I'm listening to him, and I'm going like, that's exactly what happened to me. And I, like, <clears throat> I was only at a bandana, and I'm going, I, I, no, I should have enough oxygen. This is not an oxygen thing. And when he explained the same thing, I realized that organ, prana, chi, you know, this life force. Exactly. Uh, when it's when I- it's being being brought through an organic material like cotton or even paper, um, it stops its flow because those things act like a battery and so it's a lack of the life force that makes people actually start to feel really awful and he can give you more uh you know of the symptoms no that's fine i mean that i think your description is is absolutely accurate um the issue here is that wearing a mask is damaging to the wearer and of no help to the so-called uh, at-risk population. I think if you feel that you're at risk, if you want to protect yourself, then you should stay home in your house, and you can either wear a mask or not wear a mask, and that's fine. And those of us who don't mind catching the virus, even dying of it, then we should have that privilege. We're adults. Totally agree. Uh, Mark, uh, Derek, we're, get, we're five minutes from the end, so you got a question or you want to say something? Go ahead, Mark, if you have more. Yeah, what's, uh, um, I know you probably covered this in your podcast um, so many times, but what's a daily nutritional regimen you recommend? I know fasting you you detail in your podcast and interviews too, but yeah. It depends. So there's not any one-size-fits-all diet. Uh, And that's another shocker. Everyone's everyone's expecting, well, is it going to be the the South Beach diet, the this diet, the that diet? No. It really depends on where you're at in your life and what you're trying to accomplish. For example, I'm 63 and I'm working on doing my splits and back bends and uh, back walkovers. So, diet I eat is I eat a lot of uh, cow feed and connective tissue so my body can lay down longer tendons and so I can stretch further and do those things. If I was a less active, say, 45-year-old, that might not be an appropriate diet. 
So it really depends on what you personally are trying to accomplish. Okay, thank you. Um, one of the things I like you mentioned in your um, interviews and podcasts is the bidet and about toilet oh paper. <laughs> yes. Because I carry a portable one around me all the time, even leaving in the house. But um, yeah, if you could go into your take on that. You said a portable bidet? Or just a bidet in general. Okay, so... Uh, so bidet in general is extremely, extremely uh, clean. I did not realize that. I was in India and they had bidets. I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. And I demanded that my five-star hotel bring me toilet paper by golly. And they're like, oh, they rolled their eyes and bought me toilet paper. <laughs> but now that I, and they have a bidet, had a bidet that, I mean, the, the, the stream of water was so strong, it would just blow you off the toilet. And then you had the aim problem. So they have uh, Western bidets for us uncoordinated uh, Westerners. It screws right into the toilet. You hit the button and it sprays. Aim is perfect. And what I found was when I sprayed with that bidet, washed my bottom, I could then wipe my bottom with a cloth and the cloth was clean. No poo, nothing. And I realized that it was actually getting cleaner than what I was getting with toilet paper. Also, my, you know, no itchy butt, nothing, really just great. So why should you have a bidet? You know, if you're worried about catching diseases, especially if you're, you're sharing a toilet with someone, then definitely a bidet is an excellent um, idea. It cleans your bottom, cleans their bottom, and doesn't have any, you don't have the whole transmiss transmissibility issue with people, you know, uh, handling the toilet paper or uh, the, toilet, the toilet paper smearing or ending up whatever. So the important thing is to, um, is the cleanliness of the bidet and that the bidet gets you even cleaner than the toilet paper does and gets rid of a lot of uh, bottom issues. Well, an interesting place to end the show, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark, you want to say goodbye here? Yeah. Um, thank you, Nancy and Derek, for another great show. Thank you, Je Dr. Jennifer Daniels. Um, love hearing your podcast weekly and your um, interviews. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you, Dr. Daniels. I appreciate you being here. I've got two pages of notes here on all sorts <laughs> of topics and things. So um, like I said, I'd love to have you, Nancy, I'm sure – We'd both to have, love to have you back in the future as well because I think there's so much more information you can share and help everybody with. So thank you again for being here. And thank All you. Right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And I'm going to say bye-bye to you. Thank you so very much. And, yes, we definitely have to have you back. Um, so here we go. We're going to try to get out of this show and see if everything works. And I appreciate all the audience. And we will get this up on uh, the YouTube and in the archives just as soon as we can. Thank you very much, everybody. You have been listening to the Shanghai Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for being here. Be safe.